Hello, this is episode 241, and in it, I'm speaking with Joe Darlow, builder and owner of the Hemp Building Co., which is based in Kyneton, Victoria. So often, I'm getting asked questions about building with hempcrete. There's loads of people who are looking at it and thinking about it and committing to it, and definitely wanting to know what the essentials are so that you can confidently use it in your new home or renovation project. Now, in my last podcast episode, episode 240, Hamish White from Sanctum Homes, he actually spoke to us about his current experience with hempcrete in a residential project that he is working on. And we talked a little bit about the material and about working with it and how he's found it as a builder. I knew though that you'd want to know more. I know I know what I wanted to know more. So I reached out to Joe Darlow, who's actually the man that had been helping Hamish. And Joe is a builder with a huge wealth of experience, knowledge and passion for hemp, hempcrete and building with this fantastic material. So over this episode and the next, Joe will take us on a deep dive into understanding more about this amazing plant, about the industry generally and about using it as a building product. And he's really going to help you with what you need to know if you want to use it in your project. Now, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that we discuss, you can do that for free by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 241. That's the numbers 241. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. 
Let me take a minute to introduce you to Joe Darlow before we dive into our conversation. Now, in 2006, Joe made a career change and he became a qualified builder in the building construction industry. And following his heart, he shifted across into using more natural building methods, including rammed earth, straw bale construction, and later building his first hempcrete house. One project led to another, and he soon became nationally recognised as a specialist in hempcrete construction and has since provided his valuable knowledge and skills in implementing hempcrete into countless projects across Australia. With a keen desire to deliver buildings that were both beautiful in design and smart in materials, the Hemp Building Co was born. And in addition, Joe wanted to provide the option of implementing healthy, non-toxic materials with a consideration for occupant health that he felt were and are still sorely lacking in the industry. Now, Joe's first hempcrete project was in 2011 when he both designed and built a two-storey loft cottage. And since then, Joe's helped many people achieve their dreams of building their own hempcrete homes and he's become nationally recognised as an industry leader. Looking forward to the future of hempcrete in Australia, Joe has a clear view of what the next evolution of hempcrete and the many spin-off opportunities are. And a critical aspect, however, to making this viable is the need to commercialise industrial hemp cultivation and processing. And Joe recently presented to the Western Murray Land Improvement Group to emphasise and promote the benefits of this product as it is crucial in justifying the large investment. Now, I, I really am looking forward to sharing this information with you. So let's kick off this conversation with Joe, uh, where you'll hear more about how he first discovered hemp and started working with it as a builder. And as a reminder as well, you can download a free PDF transcript of this episode and all the links to the resources that we mention by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 241. That's the numbers 241. So Joe, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. I'm super excited about uh talking with you, understanding more about hemp and using it as a building material and being able to tap into all of your incredible wisdom and expertise in this area and being able to share you with the undercover architect community. Could we start by you just sharing a little bit more about yourself and, and what actually, you know, how you became a builder and what led you to starting the hemp, the hemp building company? Well, thank you, Amelia, um, and and thank you for putting this on. I, uh, it, it is a, uh, a real opportunity for us, and uh, yeah, I, I thank you for um, allowing us that uh, that ability to come on on site on the screen. Um, so, look, I had a career change back in two thousand and six. Um, I the career I was involved in uh, I, for many years, I probably wanted to get out, but uh, just wasn't the right time and. And I guess underneath all that, there was uh, three three factors really: a, a, a really strong interest in um, in building, uh, in architecture, and sustainability. And so, with uh, you know a leap of faith, a significant leap of faith, I uh, I left the, uh, the the career and um, and got into my own business, uh, which was a, I became a registered builder. And I guess in the early days. Um, you know, I went from a paid job where, um, you know, every fortnight the paycheck would come in, would uh, be deposited into my account. I suddenly had to face those realities of running your own business and wearing a number of uh, different hats. Um, and so I guess with the, you know, the natural evolution, um, you, you start your apprenticeship. And I think when I look back at those early days, because sustainability was such a big part of what I uh, wanted to do, I felt I was probably being controlled by the clients more so. And, and, and I also learned that we have different perspectives on sustainability. And so often that's just a word that people gravitate to. And, uh, you know, if we were lucky to get 
a, uh, an insulation bat in the wall that was, you know, reasonably, um, you know, uh, of, a, of a green product nature that, you know, we were fortunate. And, and so, again, with that sort of evolution, um, I'd always had an interest with you know, rammed earth, um, straw bale, and, and uh, you know, amongst that, I, I read an article about uh, a lady in France who was a heritage consultant, and uh, this was probably back in the, uh, you know, late 80s. They were uh, restoring uh, old, you know, medieval uh, structures with, uh, with this hempcrete, which was readily available in France. And... Uh, that was for me the light bulb moment. And uh, although I still you know, got involved in straw bale projects and uh, rammed earth, um, I, you know, my uh, my whole focus was around this uh, this hempcrete. And so in 2000, 2011, uh, from memory, 2010, 2011, I had an opportunity. I was uh, rebuilding a, uh, a structure here on my own house. And, um, and I thought, no, this, I was determined to to use hempcrete. Um, my, my challenges were that, uh, you know, there was one other house in Tasmania in that, at that time. And so sourcing the material uh, was pretty difficult and um, the equipment as well. And, um, and look, long story cut short, without any advertising, uh, we were, when we started, we were amazed how many people just um, found us. And through that first project, uh, we were able to get our first client and then our second, and I guess it all rolled on from there. Um, I'll just add, I, I made plenty of mistakes during that first build, but it was my own build and, and nothing that I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't uh, you know, fix. Um, and then about six, eight months later, the, um, the hempcrete book out of the UK came out and uh, it would have been good to have had that before I started. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think um, we all learned a lot, well, per particularly me, we, we learned better from tactile experiences. And so that experience that we had, including making the mistakes, um, were really, really fundamental. That's amazing. There's nothing like building your own home to, to learn on the ground is there. And I think when you're testing a new material that you're excited and passionate about, that would have been an amazing kind of adventure of exploring what it was capable of and how you were going to work with it. So, and back then that would have been quite avant-garde, you know, as you said, there wasn't, you know, much evidence of it in Australia. So uh, that's fantastic. I absolutely love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Joe. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. And I think, um, you know, we were just talking earlier about sustainability and, and, uh, and the trajectory of uh, interest amongst, uh, you know, consumers. And uh, I, I, I tell this quick story about how, in those early days when I was building a hemp house. Um, yeah. I remember the words, you know, crazy, mad, whereas I now, you know, conduct, uh, you know, talks and seminars to uh, universities. I was at RMIT a couple of weeks ago and progressive is the word that's now been used. So we've come <laughs> a long way. That's sensational. Now, can we just get right back to basics sure. and explain what is hemp? What is hempcrete and how are the different ways that you can work with it? Because there'll be listeners who may be slightly familiar with it, but still think of hemp as the thing that you make clothing or paper or even, you know, the stuff that you smoke and then, and then <laughs> how it could actually then be translated into something you could build a home from might be quite foreign to them. And then we're right through to our listeners who are incredibly passionate about it, committed to using it in their project and, and, um, but may not know the different ways that it can be used. So I'd love you to give us a, a hemp 101 in terms of um, what we need to know. 
Yeah, sure. So industrial hemp, and I, and I start with that because there, there is, um, uh, it is the industrial hemp plant is essentially uh, part of the uh, the cannabis sativa plant, um, but it has you know a number of different varieties and cultivars. And industrial hemp is is, is essentially a plant that has very very little uh, THC, so tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the drug component of um, what we know as hooch, Marianne, and all sorts of other derivatives. So. Um, the plant was used extensively through human civilization, um, you know, thousands of years we're talking about as a material for a number of different um, approaches from, you know, sail rigging to uh, sailcloth, uh, really good quality clothing, but also, um, you know, particularly we're talking about building, it was used for building um, homes and structures. And I guess uh, what happened, you know, in the last sort of hundred years is it, uh, it, it lost its flavor. And, uh, you know, synthetic materials came in onto the market, your, your cottons and nylon and so on. And hemp was sort of, um, yeah, it sort of uh, fell out of uh, fell out of love for a lot of, um, a lot of people and, and, and the marketplace. Um, but the, the plant still is regarded as the strongest fibre, uh, natural fibre in the world. And, and what we use to build homes is actually only a small part of what the plant has uh, the capacity to do. Um, while we're talking about cultivars, I will also add that there is different um, cultivars, there's different varieties within the industrial, industrial hemp plant. So you've got a variety which is a smaller plant uh, which yields large masses of seed. Um, and those that are interested in oil and all the other areas, they will probably approach that particular plant. Uh, the plant that I'm mostly interested in is, is a much larger plant. It grows to about five metres in height and, and quite readily, um, quite quickly. Um, so a lot of straw mass. And uh, during its growth stage, through um, photosynthesis, it captures all this CO2. And in Australia, we have um, a really good climate uh, throughout Australia, really, if you if you choose the right variety, you'll you'll plant industrial hemp virtually everywhere. Um, and so we we've got this real opportunity in Australia to grow industrial hemp, and it's you know we're we're starting to see a little bit of uh, the market come through. Um, so the 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 large mass plant, which is referred to as the fibre crop, uh, grows to five metres, as I said, and. What, uh, what, what we do after the plant has grown, we uh, it basically, it's a, there's a process of retting, which is essentially just, uh, it is harvested and, and um, uh, it just sort of lies on the ground for a period of time where the external outer fibre starts breaking away from the internal woody core. And then it gets baled up and sent to a processing plant. And uh, from there, the fibre is extracted from the woody core. And it's the woody core that we uh, use in building hempcrete. Um, now, in Australia, we don't have the market yet. Uh, and so there are very few processing plants uh, to separate the fibre from the, from the woody core, the herd, which is H-U-R-D or SHIV, S-H-I-V. And I'll use those uh, terms throughout our interview. Um, when we do get that uh, lovely uh, woody core, which resembles a little bit like balsa wood, um, some people might remember balsa wood years ago, 
Uh, it's very light. It's very absorbent. It's able to absorb about six times its weight in, in water. And that gives it a really, really good um, insight into when we talk about vapor permeability later on. Um, so the, the woody core, the herd or the shiv, is then mixed with a specifically formulated lime binder and, and water. And so in, in a special mixer, we get a really fluffy, almost like a dry porridge mix. And we cast walls, um, conventional timber frame walls with the hempcrete. Uh, so it's a natural biocomposite, which has a really long list of attributes and, um, and, and you know, great values. And we, and we, we can talk about sustainable uh, advantages down the track. Yeah, awesome. Before we dive into that, because I would love to know more about that next, you, you can use obviously the hempcrete in situ. So you set up form and you pour it in and pack it down to create, I think, what a lot of people will be familiar with, which is almost, you know, it's um, it's a striated sort of, you know, uh, uh, thick wall construction. Um, but there's also um, uh, panels that are possible and, and um, bricks, uh, for want of a better term. So they're larger than a standard sort of um, masonry brick but um, that do enable that brick construction um, and then also people are using those panelized versions to do sort of more prefab style hemp as well I know there's lots of sort of experimentation and people trying things out and those kinds of things um, exploring what alternatives are available beyond just doing the in situ are you in terms of those availability of materials have I forgotten anything or is there are you just saying that most people just use the in situ and and all of that prefab and the brick style is is still quite new and untested what are your what are your thoughts on the different applications yes so with um yeah you're right cast in situ as it's referred to is the predominant um, uh, method of construction for hempcrete and globally probably it's it's uses formwork uh, very light formwork compared to something like rammed earth and we essentially uh, build the external walls from the ground up you know, and, and until we get to the top of the wall. And what you have there is a very tightly sealed monolithic wall. So there's a, you don't need layers in between. You don't need any sarking. You don't need any insulation. You don't need plasterboard. You, you will need a, a render and we can talk about that down the track. So the other two, two directions with hempcrete, and actually can I also add that with um, cast in situ, our client base is essentially 50% owner builders and other 50% is, a, is registered builders who have a client that uh, wants to build a hempcrete house and we support that builder. Um, Casting situ does make it a lot more um, applicable to, to owner builders. It's, it's a method that they can pick up reasonably quickly. And, uh, and, and so before I launch into precast, I think my belief is that it, it, cast in situ will always be a feature or an option, but as we as we kind of work down this uh, this trajectory of hempcrete, um, I through sort of evolution, we'll we'll come up with different ways of using the material. Uh, one of the disadvantages with cast in situ is the labour input, and again, if you are the owner builder that's not such a problem because you can apply that labour yourself. But if you are uh, paying a builder to build your house, then that labour can, can get up a bit high, but not, but not uh, you know, in, a, in a silly way. 
Um, so when we go down the path of precast, which is actually, I've looked at two different methodologies, precast and spray hempcrete. And I believe, um, well, we're going to go down the direction of precast. And one of the main reasons for precast is that you can control the quality of the product under, uh, under an environment, an indoor environment. Uh, you can dry it accordingly. And when it goes out, it's, it's already ready to, ready to go. We believe it will take out a lot of that labour input uh, and through sort of the economies of scale, we'll be able to uh, eventually get these panels and blocks down to a price which is competitive with other materials out there. And so the other method is, is, uh, is spray. And we looked at spray. We just reckon the technology needs to improve a little bit more. And essentially what happens with, with spray is that the hemp and the lime are, are mixed separately in different mixes and they pass through uh, respective hoses until they get to the very end where the operator is holding a lance, which is like a spray nozzle. And only at the very end, when they hit the surface under pressure, they hit the surface of, um, uh, you, you'll have a temporary formwork on that uh, wall, that they, the two materials join. Um, so that's essentially um, a 101 for, for spray hempcrete. And I think, look, all, all these options will be available as the industry grows. Um, and I'm really excited to be part of that. You know, I've seen it from, from the very start. You know, we're still at that pioneer stage, but um, I'm, I'm truly excited by uh, the future. Yeah, it just sounds like there's so many opportunities for us to really have this go much more mainstream and it, and it to be something that's so much more readily available, so much less invasive in terms of its production and then has so many benefits as a as a complete built product as well so can we dive into some of the sustainability metrics the healthy home metrics the thermal metrics the things that you know uh, when you hear and i you know i i i want you to dive into it in detail because i think that once homeowners hear this it's like why have we not been using this all along like what where did this why did this material disappear why did we why is this not being commercially made available and it being the thing that we farm and we produce here in Australia when we're so suited to it? So, um, so yeah, I know you've got lots of information about just how well it performs. So there's there's things obviously to do with its sustainability, also with how it handles carbon and what opportunities it offers there. And then, of course, acoustic and thermal insulation and creating a healthy home. Can you take us through some of these things and why, why hemp is such a fantastic building material? Indeed, and I think it actually um, supports the importance of uh, this interview uh, because I've always felt that architects are kind of like the conduit to getting the message out there. And I mean that sincerely because uh, it's when I first read of it, I actually, you know, I'm a bit of a, I can be a bit of a skeptic when I thought, you know, surely it doesn't provide all this, but I can certainly say that it does. And we are now starting to go back to some of our previous uh, client projects and we are interviewing all those people. And it's remarkable the feedback that we're getting um, that this home really does perform with minimal energy. But look, let's break into that sustainability. Look, I, I, in terms of sustainability, hempcrete is really a credible material. And the reason I, I, I emphasise credible is that I think sustainable or sustainability, the word has been 
let's say we've misused and and people don't really um i mean you can call yourself being sustainable in a number of ways which when you really break it down you think well is that really truly sustainable so where hempcrete does really become sustainable is because mainly because of this um this large mass that it produces during growth and it, and it grows really quickly uh, in most parts of australia we can get two crops a year so wow. if you if you look at you know a a hectare of, uh, of of hemp, industrial hemp, you know, you're, you're probably locking up a ton of CO2 and about the same in oxygen as well. And so when, when we build our walls out of hempcrete, we are essentially locking that carbon into the wall. Without digressing too much, I'm working with um, a couple of people at the moment where we are actually starting to um, calculate the embodied energy or the carbon involved in 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 hempcrete uh, we're taking a uh, we had a trial crop growing in um, in northern west murray region and we're taking some bales to get processed and we, we're basically using that exercise to basically measure the amount of carbon and that will be important down the track because i believe we'll, we'll enter into some sort of without calling it a tax it'll be some sort of scheme where carbon is is calculated and and uh, and there's a value for that carbon sequestration. So again, going back to this um, sustainability, incredible sustainability. I I think we've got to look at a, a, a material that we use to build our homes or any other product for that matter. Is what is it? What's involved in in making it? Are there are there is there toxicity involved in the processing or manufacturing of that that product then will that material off gas that toxicity into that into the homes and then importantly as well is what do we do with it later so when it ends up in landfill is it polluting the environment and when you break that down into you know what hempcrete provides it's not toxic to make it's actually an advantage it locks up that carbon it provides a very um, healthy home in terms of the uh, vapor permeability. It's a breathable material. And then we're, we're confident at the end of its life cycle, it's not gonna pollute our environment. Yeah, so, you know, again, going back to that word credibility, it, it, uh, it, it does really tick all those boxes. But when you've built this house, it's not just um, those sustainable you know, credentials we're talking about. It performs really well in terms of um, thermal performance. So we've got um, what we understand as an R value, and we have a documented for a 300 thick wall, we can get 4.25 as an R value, thermal resistance. Wow. Now, thermal resistance is essentially the energy going through a medium and how long it takes to get from one to the, to the other. And, and the higher the R value in Australia, the better. So as an R4.25, that's pretty good when you compare that to a standard brick veneer house, which at best is about 2.5. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, we don't need all those layers. We, this monolithic wall that we've built um, does all the insulation, but it has this other unique, when we talk about thermal performance, it has this unique addition uh, that we know, or some of us know as thermal mass. So thermal inertia is another one. Um, whereby the energy that you create, say, inside a home to keep your house warm is, is actually captured in the walls. I'm from central Victoria and we get 
really cold winters. And we've gone into our winter a lot earlier this year. And so that is really valuable for us to maintain that comfort inside our home. So we, we know with a hempcrete house, we've got the thermal insulation. So the, it's slowing the passage of whatever's happening out, outside in the ambient temperature. But we're also storing any heat that we produce inside has been stored in the wall and released later. So we create a very, very comfortable, self-regulating, um, comfortable home. Also in that equation is this, uh, what I refer to as a phase change. So phase change is essentially when it, when uh, vapour ch changes, say, to water and, and, and the other way around. And with a hempcrete house, uh, because of this ability to capture um, that, uh, that vapour, so it's travelling through the wall all the time, every time it does so, it actually releases energy. So you have this ability of uh, not only storing the energy but also producing microscopically energy within the wall. Right. So... And that's phase change as in P-H-A-S-E. Is that what you mean? Yep. Correct. Yes, yep. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You'll have to pardon Joe's dog. The postie must have just turned up. Joe, before we jumped on the interview, Joe warned me that the dog was asleep and may wake up if the postie warned me. <laughs> so fantastic. Thanks, Amelia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, if we uh, just go back to um, this um, breathability, as we probably know it, that's quite unique with hempcrete. Uh, you know, in modern construction, it's all about putting these water stop barriers all the way through the wall. That's how we recognise it. And so when we talk about vapour permeability, I, I describe it, and this is a in building biology, which is healthy built home, they have a saying about uh, your, your external wall should be a third skin. And if we break that down a little bit more and, you know, if we have a shower or if we stand out in the rain, the water doesn't go through, seep through our skin into our bloodstream. But what we do do is actually regulate our body temperature through, through our sweat glands. And that's, you know, it's in a simple analogy, that is what a hempcrete wall does. Um, it, is a, it is a breathable wall and it, it does all these other functions. It keeps our house warm and cool. Um, without all those layers and it's sustainable and it's very got a very high fire resistance. I've got an Instagram account and we did some uh, blow to, uh, blowtorch test uh, and even without a render system, which we will talk about, Amelia, um, it uh, performs remarkably. And during the last bushfires, we had a lot of um, people come to us about um, rebuilding their home and building it out of uh, hempcrete because they'd heard of that high uh, fire resistance um, ability. Yeah, it's uh, like you just hear all of those, all the boxes that it ticks on all the things that we want the walls of our homes to do and to give us and to benefit us. And and it is it blows my mind that it's not more regularly used. So um, the acoustic insulation too is another one, isn't it, in terms of the, the ability for it to just soundproof your home incredibly yeah. well. Thank you for reminding me, yeah. There's the, the, the list is so long that even I can forget. <laughs> um, but you're right. Yeah, the acoustic is quite um, quite interesting. And if I can break, if we talk about acoustic, if I break it down into two different um, elements, and one is uh, absorbency, and the other is is essentially a, an, an acoustic insulation or, or, or an acoustic stop. 
So when we are working with clients, I always tell them in order to gain the optimum thermal and acoustic performance of hempcrete, I always tell them to render their walls. So a plaster, solid plaster walls as we knew the trade uh, many years ago. And the reason I say that is that if you are trying to build a sound studio where you want uh, a soft palette inside that room, that's probably, you would build that room without render. But what the problem is, is that the, the sound will transmit through those walls quite readily. However, if we're building a home, we don't want that situation. So we really want a, a complete acoustic stop. And that is achieved once you render the wall. So again, there's two different elements to play there, absorbency and insulation. And so um, they, they, they perform really well with hempcrete, but it depends on what you're using that room for. And I have a friend of mine who is a sounds engineer and he actually did build his own music studio with unrendered walls. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Important to be able to understand the acoustics and know the difference. Hey, so, right. So, and you're saying we get two crops per year from a um, an area of hemp and how much, like at the average Australian home, say a home that's sort of 200, 230 square metres, something like that, are you able to tell me roughly how many hectares of hemp you need per house like that? You're just doing the external walls. Is that is that generally what people? Yeah. Do? So if we look at a house of um, about 200 square meters of floor space, um, you would need about 40 cubic meters of hemp lime combined, and then we have to break down the hemp. There's about four and a half thousand kilograms of hemp, which is the the woody core. And again, remembering that the plant has all this fiber as well, which at the moment, at the moment, I stress, we don't have a facility to use that material, but I think we will. So, but essentially you would need, I would say about 10 hectares to build, yeah, seven to eight hectares, say for, a, for an average size home, because you've got, you've got the fiber and you've got the herb and you're extracting that as well. So, yeah, we, we find the average size uh, house for hempcrete is sitting at about 200 square metres of floor space, single single level. And look, we, we are working with a, a group of farmers uh, because in order to build a business case in Australia, uh, we need to have at least three to 400 hectares per annum under contract. And when we've got that, that and that's just the starting point, we've got a business case. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, well, with all these incredible uh, assets that hemp has and a really good understanding of what hemp is, I really am um, grateful for how you've taken us through that in such detail, Joe. I'd love to understand what do you need to consider when you actually are selecting it as a building material? So is it something, you know, talk about 300 walls, 300 millimeter thick walls, obviously that has an impact on your design and your layout. Um, you know, are you thinking about what you need to do for the, the details of that in terms of the potential aesthetic that you might have with your renders, those kinds of things? And then also who are you physically be, going to be able to get to do these specific installers and those kinds of things and how you're going to go about specifying it to make sure that you get the right quality for your home. Can you take us through some of those things that I know you shepherd a lot of homeowners through through your company in terms of thinking about what they have to consider if they're going to specify it for their home? 
Yeah, really good question because we do this every day of the week. And my, my advice is to get in touch with us at the very early point. If you are considering building a hempcrete house, seriously looking at building a hempcrete house, the earlier we get involved, the earlier we can support your architect or the architect or the building designer. Look, essentially a hempcrete house, when it's finished, can look like any any other house. You know, it, it's all about the design. But because we are working with a, a, a thicker wall element, um, say 300 millimetres, there are some considerations to take into account because of that deeper wall. Now, one of the advantages of having a deeper wall is you get these beautiful deep reveals. And if you position the windows, you know, with taking that some of that advantage, we can get involved there. The constructability of a hempcrete house, the sequencing, is very, very similar to brick veneer or, or a timber weatherboard house in as far as the footings are the same. We can build a hempcrete house on a slab, a suspended slab, or we can uh, on a suspended floor such as uh, stumps. We build the same frame. And that's an advantage from a building permit perspective because the building surveyor and engineer do not get too concerned about what's taking the structural loads. The timber frame is really recognised here in Australia. It's a conventional process. And that puts ease, puts the building surveyor and engineer at ease. Um, where it changes is uh, obviously there's some form work that we talked about earlier with cast in situ. And we also, we, we, we tell the owners to certainly build their roof frame, but not put their cladding their roof cladding on because uh, it's difficult to get to the very top layer of that wall. Um, so, you know, essentially everything is, is, is very similar other than the, the, the fact that we've got this thicker wall and we, we need to get to the top of the wall. Everything else is the same. And, and that process is, um, uh, you know, we, if you were to get a, a group of bricklayers in to build at home, we can install those walls in about the same time. So that process uh, where we, we, we are engaged at, with the customer at that early point uh, is the design. So we, we talk about things like wall meeting the ceiling. You know, are we going to put a cornice in there or not? Uh, wall to floor, uh, skirting boards. We've talked about windows and doors. And so these are, well, another one is um, electrical points and, and plumbing points. And so the earlier we can get involved and we can also support the building designer in providing them some uh, exemplar uh, cross-section drawings, detailed drawings to support that whole design process. So it's, it's, a, it's really mainly about the thickness of the wall and, uh, and how you work with that wall in terms of the, the sequencing of the project. Gotcha. And is, is hemp, is hemp, is hemp, or are there, should you know certain things when you're actually going about specifying it in terms of ensuring that you get the right quality to use in the construction of your home? I am so glad you asked that question, yeah, because um, I've been a huge advocate for trying to get a standard here in Australia um, because there is none. And we've seen some, um, some really poor uh, hemp group houses built uh, through yeah, lack of advice or, 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 or poor advice. And so 
there's a we'll talk about hemp, but we also talk about the lime. And um, what I'm a bit concerned about is that because we've got some early production of um, industrial hemp being grown, um, the quality of that uh, that hemp herd or hemp shiv is, and, I, and I've seen some of these samples, it's, it's quite poor. To get a good quality building grade hemp shiv, we want a clean material. We want um, the aggregate size of each individual piece to be you know, between five to 10, 12 millimetres. And we want a variety of that, um, that size because it's this interlocking that occurs during uh, the installation of the hempcrete that provides all these little air pockets. It's like a honeycomb effect. And that's, you know, we, we want that, uh, that's those sort of uh, aggregate sizes. What we don't want is any fibre or very little fibre in there or very, very finely chopped um, hemp shiv. And I'm seeing probably the hemp shiv is, is actually too fine. And I'm concerned about unsuspecting customers who think they're getting the same um, thermal qualities because the density changes when you, you know, if you've got a nice mix of aggregate size, you get this lovely honeycomb effect. If the shiv is too fine, um, the density changes. The same goes with the lime. You need, you can't go to Bunnings and buy hydrated lime off the shelf. I think years ago, I remember seeing a Grand Designs show where they made the mistake uh, with using the wrong lime. Hydrated lime um, will not set. You need a, an activator, something like Portland cement, and you need lots of it, which then decreases the, the sustainability of hempcrete. So you, you need a specifically formulated lime binder to have a yeah to be successful in your in your hempcrete project. So yeah, again, I, I say thank you for asking that question because um, that's what I'm seeing at the moment. There's uh, great excitement coming through because we are developing the Australian market, but we've just got to be careful because we don't want to see poor examples of hempcrete because if they, you know, we, we want good exemplars out there. Yeah, well, everything will just, it'll all get tight. The, the, the poor specification and poor workmanship will just mean that the material gets dismissed as not viable, which is not true. It's just been, as, as would always happen with any kind of material, if you're not going to use the right application and use the right quality, then you're going to get problems with it. So Indeed. you mentioned the pouring into the form. Um, so I'm just wondering about location constraints. Is that is that something that you need to be able to get machinery to? Is it poured in by hand? Like how does that work? Is it a great big, you know, tube of stuff that pours in the top of the form? How does? Yeah, so we, we've got a um, we've got mixers that are on a trailer bed and they're quite lightweight and we use the mixer and we can also move the mixer according to what, what part of the house that we're, we're working on. And once we've, uh, we've set up the form work, we mix the two ingredients, the hemp shiv and the, uh, and the lime binder, and we add the water. We get this lovely fluffy mix and we... With buckets, you know, there is no automated process. Uh, it's difficult to get that in because every site is going to be dif dif uh, different, difficult. But I think one of the advantages with the mixer and the ability to get it really up close to the wall means we're actually traveling you know, by foot, very small distances. Uh, once we get it into the wall, into the void of that formwork, we we layer the, 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 the material in such a way where we get a height of about 200 millimetres thereabouts, 150, 200 millimetres, and we lightly tamp 
the material in place. I prefer people using their hands rather than tamping sticks, but sometimes tamping sticks are um, a good way to get into the, uh, the more difficult type spaces. Are you building the form up as you go then? You're not building it all up in one hit? What we've found, and again, it's all, always been about how do we make this more and more efficient and we've got better and better at that. So when my installers go in, we, we build the external side from with full sheets of form, form ply or, or even plywood from the ground up. And we only, we use the 600 millimetre formwork on the inside of the house. We do that because on the inside of the house, it's usually a flat level working space. And by doing that, like it might take you a little bit longer to set up the formwork on the outside initially, but overall you'll save time because you're only moving on the inside. And as you get close to that 600 formwork, 600 millimetre formwork, you then put the next formwork up. And there, and and again, you know, you'll you'll have probably four or five lifts in in an average size house wall height. While I remember it, Amelia, I will add that the temperature and the seasonal uh, considerations is probably something to take into account. With uh, with hempcrete. The temperature is between 5 to 30. That, that's sort of your working conditions of so between 5 degrees Celsius to 30 degrees Celsius, um, which is actually in line with um, a lot of other building uh, methodologies. Uh, pouring a slab uh, is about the same, but with slabs, you know, if you're working in hot weather, they generally put uh, retarded chemicals into the, into the slab to slow that set. We don't use that. So it's important that when you're planning your project to consider the time of the year. There is no real right or wrong, but what we try and avoid is, um, we don't get too many places in Australia where you are working under five degrees Celsius. <laughs> um, and lime really, the greatest strength from lime is actually achieved when it's when it's slowly setting. So working in winter is, is easier. The shoulder periods between you know, sort of spring and autumn are great. The only thing to remember about summer is to tr really try and avoid those hot days. We have a situation at the moment where uh, we've inspected a house that was done in another state and it is falling to bits and purely because it was it was actually built uh, during 40 degree heat. And oh wow. Anything you build in that in that temperature will fail. Um, and so when I talk to clients is really consider, you know the time of the year that you're um, that you're working with this. We're not so worried about rain um, because you can cover yourself off from rain. And even if the rain does hit the wall, the day after you've cast the wall, it won't ruin the wall. I really hope that you found that first part of my conversation with Joe Darlow from the Hemp Building Co. really useful. He's, you know, he's really given us given us the Hemp 101 on understanding the basics of this as a building material and how it can be used, and definitely what you need to consider when building and designing with it. Hemp and Hempcrete they have such amazing properties from the sustainability features through to its insulated qualities and its ability to sequester carbon and create a healthy home. And Joe provided such great insight into the best times of 
of year to work with it as well so that you can protect its long-term durability. All really helpful knowledge to have. I hope that you found that incredibly useful information if you are thinking about this material. Make sure you join me for part two of this interview on the next episode. In it, we're going to be talking more about the details of building with hempcrete and how the wall construction works based on whether you're wanting to use a lime render or perhaps clad it with something more traditional like a fibre cement sheet or something like that. We also talk more about the all-important cost. That's a question I get a lot and how it compares to conventional construction and its suitability for fire-prone areas as well. Remember, you can access a free uh, downloadable PDF transcript of this episode by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 241. I've also got links there for you to be able to learn more about Joe and the Hemp Building Company or the Hemp Building Co. and to be able to get in touch with him. And be sure to tune in next time for part two of my conversation with Joe. If you'd like to get started on your project journey or understand more about what you can do along the way to save time, money and stress when renovating or building your home, then I know you'll love my video workshop, Your Project Plan. You can access it for free, plus a huge range of lovely bonuses by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time.